Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether, and if so, how, politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Lee Battle and I'm a minister in the United Reformed Church, where I am currently serving in an ecumenical setting in Cardiff. Each week I am joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political spectrum. And so today I am so pleased to introduce the Reverend Phil Jump. Phil is a regional minister for the Northwest Baptist Association, serving not only in Baptist church across North Wales and Northern Northwest England, but is also committed with God's people across our Christian family to help us to be an effective voice in our world. Phil writes a regular feature for Faith in Business Quarterly, which seeks to relate key Christian principles to our working lives. He also chairs Industrial Christian Fellowship, a charity that has been supporting Christians in business and in public life. And Phil also co-authored and published Love Work, a collection of prayers and reflections to help Christians relate their faith to everyday life. And so, Phil, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to this week's Politics in the Pulpit, where indeed we find ourselves in such a dramatically different space uh, than when we did Politics in the Pulpit last week. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Lee. It's great to be with you. And as you say, uh, it's it's an honour, it's a privilege and it's a responsibility really to particularly think about how we as the people of God live out and communicate God's message in some very significant times at the moment. Absolutely. And and so I think kind of the wrangling of politics of the pulpit has actually been, I think, very present in, in a real, really a kind of strong way this week. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and whether you see yourself as a pulpit politician? Well, I, I don't think you can be anything but a, a pulpit politician. Uh, one of the great famous Baptists uh, is, is a guy called John Clifford, who really is one of the people who inspired me in my early days of, of ministry. I don't know whether this is true in the United Reformed Church, but when you become a Baptist minister, you have to study this thing called Baptist history and principles, which is, uh, I think most Baptist ministers, dare I say, see it a little bit like going to the dentist. It's something that's painful, but you you have to do it. Um, but but we were told we had to study uh, a character. There's this great character called John Clifford, who uh, was was a, a real activist in actually setting up free education uh, way back in the Victorian era, and and really wresting education out of the hands of uh, dare I say the Church of England at the time. And uh, he was often often encouraged to become a politician. People were always saying, you know, you'd be a great politician. Mm. And he said, politics are far too important for me to enter parliament. I need to stay in the pulpit. Uh, so <laughs> I think, you know, that, that's where I'm coming from on this. You know, uh, we're a people of the cross and the cross was a political execution. Um, God speaks into the life of the nation of Israel. 
the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Last time I checked, there are no exceptions in the footnotes. So <laughs> if politics isn't in the pulpit, I don't think we're really thinking it through. Um, I think, sadly, I think people narrow the definition of politics sometimes to it only belongs to certain spheres of life. And, and I want to say, no, it, it, uh, what happens in society, what happens in our world, what happens to every one of us is God's concern. And therefore, God's people need to be speaking about it. So I don't spend a lot of time in the pulpit these days, to be honest. I, I prefer to walk yeah. around and engage with my congregation rather than stand 10 feet above contradiction. <laughs> uh, but I, I certainly talk plenty of politics, even if I don't spend much time in pulpits. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, we've spoken briefly about our context uh, as we've arrived this week to do the podcast. But from your political, uh, from your own particular context what are the key justice issues uh, that uh, are facing your congregation and and your area now well i i think the justice issues that we're facing are, are like everybody else's um i mean i've got to be you probably gather from my accents i come from liverpool and and i do think sometimes liverpool is kind of used as the uh, the hotbed of of poverty and, and and want in order to to make political points and it kind of annoys me a little bit mm. because we're like every other community we're incredibly diverse you know, we do have some very, very difficult and, and challenging areas of social disadvantage. We also host the British Open on, on Merseyside in both form beyond on the Wirral. So, you know, we've also got our leafy suburbs and our, our big, that's the golf, by the way. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, you know, so we're like anywhere else. But I mean, yeah. I think obviously, you know, issues around the cost of living um, and they're big justice issues uh, because it's not only a matter of how do we afford it, but, you know, <laughs> Dare I say, if you'd have found yourself um, a year ago suggesting that we should subsidise the use of fossil fuels, every environmentalist on the, on the planet would be out in protest. And, and I think that indicates the complexity of justice issues, which is why, as a people of God, we need to tread carefully. Um, yeah. And of course, all of that at the moment is overshadowed by the death of Her Late Majesty, um, and, and I don't know, I mean, we, we need to talk politics today, but I guess we also need to take our, our, our lead from our politicians that, we, you know, they have suspended the arguments and the debates and the divisions and uh, to recognise that there are sometimes more important and higher things. And it doesn't mean that those things aren't important. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't yeah. be speaking out, but equally, we need to recognise the times that we're in. And we do need to recognise the example of, I think, Her Majesty the Queen, who for all the fray of, of, of life pointed us to our faith and reminded us of our faith. Yeah. We may not share her take on our faith, um, but she reminded us of the importance of our faith. And if someone in the highest position of, mm. of political, uh, I know she's non-political, but she's also the head of state. If she yeah. believes her faith has got something to say to her, then boy, should we? Yeah. <laughs> that would be mine. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and actually mm. that just the sheer speed in which the events have taken place this last seven days, starting with uh, Liz Truss becoming our new Prime Minister and, and actually going to Balmoral to meet the Queen, uh, not, you know, 72 hours before uh, the Queen died, she was still fulfilling her service and uh, forming and inviting Liz Truss to form a new government and, and become our Prime Minister. And uh, and that would have been, uh, you know, a really political thing to take on. We, you know, then there, then came the day after the talk about the electric, uh, you know, the caps on uh, the the electric charges and all of that, and the and the uh, 
energy bills. Um, but then the day after, suddenly this statement was released from Buckingham Palace and everybody sort of was like, oh, this is this is different. The BBC interrupted their scheduling. Um, you know, dare I say when when they came out in black suits, you I think everybody was kind of holding their collective breath at this point. Mm. Um, and so it like you say, everything has been, and not only that, we've we've now got a king in place at absolute breakneck speed. We've gone from what was to what is without actually being able to draw any sense of, um, yeah, any sense of space in the middle of it, how to feel in that. I think I think you're right. And I think you make two important points in that. Um, I, I remember years ago, I was asked to take part in a, I mean, th th this will make you smile. Um, I was asked to take part in an, a, a consultation. I was living in, and working in Croydon at the time and Croydon Council had, employed these uh, very very um, sort of um, expensive consultants and they we, we'd had this massive presentation explaining to us all the all the different lines um, you know socioeconomics um, economy every, this is how Croydon is going to be in 2020 and and the idea was that we were to have this consultation to think about how do we prepare Mm. And, and it so happened, I, I, I'm, I, you know, obviously I, I'm there as a, as a local minister, so I've got the whole reverend thing on my badge. Um, and although the people who were in my group um, were for different walks of life, it turned out every single one of them was a practising Christian. And, and because I was a, a rev, that kind of, that's where the, the conversation coalesced. And what we actually came up with, which didn't go down well, was we said, we're sure you're wrong. We're convinced that these wonderful lines that you've just traced, that this is exactly where the course of society is going to go. One of those, at least, is going to not be right. And, and what we need to be is prepared and able and confident in the face of change. Mm -hmm. And I really wish I could sit with the people who told me we were talking nonsense when 2020 came and we're all sitting in lockdown and we've got a global pandemic and all their lines went out the window. But actually, what that came out of was our Christian faith. We were saying that we believe in a God who is above and beyond these things. And actually, the gift we have to give society is to say in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of change, um, you know, oh, thou who changest not abide with me. Um, and obviously, coming from Liverpool, I've sung that an awful lot of cup finals. But but there's a I had to get that in somewhere, obviously. But the. Um, but the, it's a, a hymn they sing at, at the cup final, which Liverpool play out a lot more often than a lot of other teams. But, um, you know, th there's a truth in that. There is a truth in that. And yeah. I think it's a truth we can offer to society at the moment. Mm. And, and yes, we as across the church are going to have different views about the monarchy, about how important the business of parliament should be in the light of, you know, I was reading an article just this morning saying that, you know, businesses are counting the days. If, if, if this legislation doesn't get through, it won't be through in time in mm. order to, to bring about the, the help they need. And of course, you know, at the same time, we need to respect events. We need to respect Her Majesty. And I think that's one thing that we've got to offer. And it's interesting, you talked about people holding their breath or society pausing to hold its breath. And you can only hold your breath for so long. Um, yeah. And then you need to say something. Um, and, and I don't know about, you know, I obviously I want to be respectful. Um, I, I need to process this like everybody else. 
But, you know, there does come a point when if I see one more picture of, of the Queen and Paddington, I'm almost going to scream because it, we just keep saying the same thing. And, and I think as God's people, some of those gaps, some of those moments when society holds its breath are when we can speak and we have something to say. And, uh, we know, we're going to move on to look at the, the lectionary passages for mm. today. And I think in many respects, that's one of the things they show us before we look at the detail of them. Mm. They are essentially offering society and offering community a liturgy in the midst of tragedy and crisis. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we, we're gonna, we can look at the detail of that, but there is a, a broader principle, if you like, that we can just stand back from and look at and say, what is our calling right now mm. to help people process? Which also, I think, then maybe gives us the right to speak into the public square when the public square reopens, so to speak. So to, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and obviously, moving on from that, which will dominate our thought um, of the passages this week, especially as we now know uh, the Queen's funeral will be. Uh, a week on uh, next Monday um, so we'll still be preaching during this time of mourning um, mm -hmm. in this coming Sunday um, and, and like you say I think the passages have got a lot to offer us uh, when we think about lament and things like that so Start us off, Phil. Where do you yeah. where do you want us to start this week? Well, I mean, I think passages? we've got we've got to start in one Timothy two, really, um, because yep. in many respects, you know, you would almost if this wasn't in the lectionary for this Sunday, I think somebody would be putting it in. Um, and you've got <laughs> you know you've got this biblical call that says, "I urge you that all petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people." for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And, and I mean, obviously, again, we, we may want to debate whether and who should be our rulers. And, whether, you know, some people think Liz Truss is marvellous. Some people will be absolutely in dismay. They are those who are our rulers. And I think one thing we can agree, they all, both King Charles, both Liz Truss, have incredibly challenging agendas ahead of them. Mm. They are human beings. And I think very often in the political narratives, we almost dehumanize people because we only see yeah. them defined by policies and ideologies. And, and, you know, I think we have to hear our king, dare I say. You know, I, I was struck by the final words, the final words of his accession speech when he says, in carrying out the heavy task that has been laid upon me, and to which I now dedicate what remains to me of my life, I pray for the guidance and help of Almighty God. Mm. Now, we have a ruler who is reflecting to us the truth of those words from 1 Timothy. Mm. And I think, you know, we are the body of Christ. We are God's representative on earth as his church. And if we can't respond to that and and simply say yes we will pray for you we will hold you in our prayers we will give thanks to god for a life of an example and service and we will pray for our rulers our politicians our opposition the different political parties mm. we will take their example and and we will pray for them and you know sometimes i think the job of a preacher is to kind of bring god's word and, and kind of lay it at the door of society if you like as we've said you know what you might call politics in the pulpit yeah. but i do think sometimes as a preacher we almost you know god's word has given us an instruction 
stop preaching about it and get on and do it. And I, I, I think yeah. the one Timothy passage, you know, we've just got to say, yeah, let, let's make sure that we pray. And I think that's important to say into our free church tradition, because, and, and again, I think this gets picked up in the in the other passages from today, because we are very good at explaining things. We're very good at, you know, that, that's kind of what we do really well. We we, we mm. free churches. We, we don't go quite for the same pomp and the same ceremony, but we're great yeah. at explaining everything. And maybe for this Sunday, those of us, people like me, who are inclined to be preachers, who really feel, you know, we've done people short if we haven't given them a good half hour, um, maybe we do need to stand back from the explaining this Sunday and, and give people the space to grieve, to mourn, yeah. to prepare. Um, goodness knows how many people are going to be watching the funeral or lying in the streets on Monday. Mm. Um, you know, it, it is a kind of day of spiritual preparation for what is a massive, massive moment. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm old. I'm sixty. Um, I also happen to share my significant birthdays with the Queen. So I was born on the second of June, nineteen sixty-two. So every big birthday I've had has been eclipsed by by the Queen's birthdays. Um, but you know, there is nobody probably over the age of seventy-five in this country or this world who can consciously remember any other monarch, and no. and. You know, that that is a, a spiritual, it's an emotional reality. So, I mean, maybe on that one, we just need to hear it. Um, yeah. I think the last thing people need to do is listen to someone talking for 20 minutes about the need to pray. I think they, they need to get on and do it. Yeah, so. I, I, and I think that sometimes, well, most definitely, I don't think as a nation we've finished grieving for... Um, the pandemic, if indeed we've properly started grieving for the pandemic, yeah. mm-hmm. um, because we have, or how it feels is we've been bounced from one thing to another to another without um, really being able to sit with it and take our time with it um, and and kind of absorb it into us. And I think the pandemic, um, the grief that that's caused I think when things like huge deaths like the Queen bring out other grief in, in other places from other people. And I think that we have to be very aware as uh, as ministers, as, as preachers, um, that actually that kind of these things can open up trauma and that we are allowing adequate space for people uh, to, to process process that or if we haven't got adequate space right then is to is to tell people there is space around this to, to come and do this but and I also think as preachers as ministers that we also have a responsibility to have processed our feelings before we get up there uh, because I think sometimes grief lament it fires out in ways that we don't really or, or can't expect it to. Uh, and, and you said right at the top that you feel it is a responsibility and I agree with you. Uh, and I think we have a responsibility to make sure that we're sat as near as peace as we can with some things before we get up there. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so much in what you said. It. I mean, just listening, you've reminded me that on what, what day is it? I mean, I'm trying to get my head around the days at the moment, but mm-hmm. um, is it Wednesday? What, the, the, 
the queen died on thursday didn't she yeah. and and i was actually talking to someone on thursday morning I'm, I'm working with two communities at the moment to try and put together a sort of act of recognition of the pain and the struggle of the pandemic and i was actually talking um about how we were going to do that and mm. and then the next thing I'm getting loads of texts from my wife, Jan, saying, you need to put the news on, you need to watch what's happening. And I'm sitting here now thinking, when and when and how do I pick that up? Yeah. Um, and I think that's true. You know, we, I, I, you know, those of us who like a nice, tidy, tidy world, we're just coming out of the pandemic and we're going to organise all these helpful events and whoosh, there's a, a war in Ukraine. Yeah. And I mean, our churches, again, did a brilliant job of mobilizing and, and, and responding to people. And particularly, you know, for us as a Baptist denomination, we've got a lot of congregations in Eastern Europe and immediately are trying to support them in supporting Ukrainian refugees. And you're just thinking, oh, right, that's now beginning to stabilize and we've lost our monarch. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah. And, and I mean, people talk about trauma and the difference between shock and trauma and trauma is the gradual building up of of these experiences and, and and clearly we you know we have a role or at the very least we need to have a sensitivity but I, I think it's interesting what you say because again if we come back to the scripture passages for this uh this coming Sunday yeah. I think we see a lot of that echoed in them um because you've kind of got you know you've got this passage from Jeremiah now you know Jeremiah is a bit of a, a you know you don't expect to read Jeremiah and come away happy really do you he, he is <laughs> the person who carries the the weight if you like of what's going on uh, but I think that's interesting because again we can stereotype people by their particular role in their ministry and I think Jeremiah is trying to do that. He's trying to say, look, I am lamenting. I am writing these incredibly depressing rants yeah. um, because I'm trying to carry the pain of my people. And, and interestingly, in, in the particular uh, passage that we're looking at from Jeremiah chapter uh, chapter six, he's actually saying that, you know, he's saying, Lord, I am, I am here and my people are crushed. And since they're crushed, I'm crushed. Yeah. I mourn, the horror grips me. And so you've got this prophet who is, is showing us, if you like, our prophetic role. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, again, we can look at that. And I find Psalm, Psalm 79 interesting because I think there's a very human narrative there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever, if you've kind of noticed it, but what is the first thing we do when we hit a tragedy? or a trauma, or, or a major event in life, our, our human instinct very often is to blame someone. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when, when before, before our, our, our Christian identity kicks in, and before we really start thinking, our mm -hmm. first instinct is to, who can I blame? Yeah. Who's at fault here? Whose fault is this? Then we tend to go, because we're good religious people, what, it's God's fault. Why has God let this happen? <laughs> why has God done this yeah. to me? And then maybe, hopefully we eventually stop and say what can I do about this yeah. how can I take that forward and interesting I think if you look at Psalm 39 that's the journey that the yeah. psalmist goes on so you've got you know you've got this pretty inappropriate stuff you know it's a racist and goodness knows what you know that he didn't have invented invaded your space um, let's lash out at all these terrible people and God I want you to deal with them and get rid of them and then, of course, you come to verse five, you know, how long, Lord, will you be angry forever? And, and yeah. so, oh, this is God's fault. Yeah. And then suddenly in verse eight, we, we, we turn again and say, well, do not hold the sins of the past generations. May your mercy quickly come to meet us. And suddenly yeah. the psalm writer is sort of saying, you know, actually, 
how have we contributed to this? What have we done in our past that has brought this about? And I think there's a very kind of healthy journey. And and dare I say, you know, we talk a lot today about the the, the kind of social media age. And and, and it's so, so easy now to, to make that initial reaction to something. And it's out there and it's being tweeted. And and retweeted and if you're a celebrity um you know if you, the, the bottom line is if you're a famous footballer there's far more chance of your opinion of something finding its way around the world before a careful researcher can, can mm. tweet what what they might think mm. and and that's human that's that's our human reaction and and i think that there's there's a well there's so much in this really yeah there because is because you kind of first of all you've got again the church being told this is our job it yeah. wouldn't be in the book of Psalms. It wouldn't be in the heart of a, of a worship book if, if it wasn't our role. And I think that the thing to me is that perhaps what we bring to the table here is to say, as Christians, of course, we have political views. Of course, we will react. But ours is not simply the task of joining in the clamour. No. Let's, let's offer that to God. Let's do the theology and process it and say, well, what is God saying? And then let's maybe stop and say, okay, and what can I do? How yeah. have I contributed? And I think, you know, I, I, you, you can over-theologize this, if you like, and, and so you know, they, they, everything that happens is, is the fault of human sin, which at one level is true. But I think we've got to be careful we don't then build up a theology that says, well, if you're in trouble, it's your fault. Yeah. But I think it's a very healthy starting point to say, how have I contributed to yeah. this? You know, obviously in a role like mine, I often find myself working with a church that maybe people have fallen out, things have gone a bit wrong. And I find it's a very cathartic place when I just invite people to say, look, even if 99.9% of this is someone else's fault, how could you have handled this differently? What have you done that's added to it? And very often that can be the moment that we turn from the anger and the hurt and the pain to actually beginning to to look at it constructively and what i love about this psalm is it says you know that's not management speak that's not no theory that that's not sociology that's theology that this is exactly how the psalm writer deals with it in psalm 79 okay the language is impacted by the cultures and the beliefs of the day but the human dynamic i think is something we can take very much into our present circumstances very much i think Mm. i think we see time and again in the psalms that movement that kind of that movement of grief and that that movement of for me of just what it is to be human when you're hurting often the first thing we do is lash out we don't Mm. often mean what we're lashing out at we're just trying to get the pain that's trying to get in back out of us um, but I think what we see in the Psalms is, is that movement, but then that sense of, I can't get it out of me, but God's with me, you know, help me process this God, you know, help me with this. And then almost this asking of being delivered from it. And then this, like this really like now, how do we move on from it? And we don't, everything is so quick in our world that we don't we don't have time or we're not allowed time to process things properly and we wonder why we struggle with things so much and um, because we're constantly 
putting things into our minds and into our heart, but we're not processing them. We're not moving them along. And, and this for me is, is really part of the beauty of our faith is in our ability to say that to lament is godly. It's a holy thing to do. And it brings you closer to God. It brings you closer to yourself. And like you say, these the Psalms, we see this pattern time and time and time again. If this is not what we're meant to be doing, why do we see this so much? But yet we almost uh-huh. fear it as well, don't we? Yeah. Well, absolutely. And again, I think, you know, you, there's so much in what you've said there. Um, I mean, I think one thing we've got to say is there is a difference between lament and whinging. And, yeah. and I know the two can very often on the surface look very similar. Um, but I think, you know, that's part of it is, is, is to recognise there is a constructive journey. We're not just going around in the same circle. And of course, social media, which is our, our big kind of thing, today, is gr- a great place to just hear echo back at yourself all the things you want to say. And yeah. lament is not that; it's a journey. Uh, but I, I, you know, how many times in that moment of lashing out, in that moment of hurt, of pain, do we end up saying something that we later more regret, or yeah. even dare I say, do we end up making the situation worse? Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing I hear from this is, is what is our role as Christian people to create the safe space? Yeah. So you know what 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 the psalmist is doing here is saying, come and lash out at God. Um, come and come and lash out in, in the safe space, and then journey. And again, I you know I think that's an important role that we all have. Those of us who are called mm-hmm. to pastoral ministry, but we can't always do that for everyone. And I think the challenge this week is, you know, how do we create the communal space, the communal safe space for people to express their grief or their anger or their yeah. worry? You know, that yeah. I'm sure there are people who are going to be watching the Queen's funeral on Mondays. To, yeah, but I'm still worried about my electricity bill. I'm still worried about how I'm going to cope with such and such. Um, I, yeah, I remember. I, well, I was just going to say, I remember my, my dad died at the same day as Freddie Mercury. And, and you know, the, uh, Freddie Mercury, the famous singer from Queen. Um, and, and everyone was making this big thing about this this big star. And I'm sort of sitting there, but what about my grief? <laughs> Where yeah. do I fit into it? And of course, there will be people who have, have faced all kinds of tragedies in the last few days who will feel they don't even have permission to to sort of stand up and say, well, you know, I've lost my mom, I've lost my husband. I've, mm-hmm. I've just been given some terrible diagnostic news. Um, and, and there isn't anywhere for me to go at the moment because everyone is... You know, and, and that isn't to say we we don't hugely mourn our, our queen, um, but but there are other stories. And and again, you know how much of the task of the church is to bring the stories from the margins to the centre. And interestingly, you know, people have said that was what Prince Charles did when he was Prince Charles, our king, um, as yeah. Prince of Wales, was tried really hard. And again, you know, there are plenty of people will criticise him, but I, I know plenty of people in my native Merseyside who can say, yes, I was brought from the margins to the centre through the works of the Prince's Trust and, and such things. And we've mm. got to keep doing that job too, I think. Yeah. And I think we also, though, and I think I see this in the Luke passage, mm. is, is that tension between holding two different spaces because not all people feel okay 
about the monarchy. Um, mm. That you know there is a longer, difficult history attached to uh, to to the established like monarchy, and 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 so for some people, I don't hear any kind of sense of yes, she's gone, but actually this is bringing up wounds. Yeah. difficult wounds and and I think the tension is to create space for for that as well and and to say that we know that as a nation we have a difficult history and some of that history was when uh, Queen Elizabeth was the monarch um that's not to say that she was kind of the architect of it um but when things like this happen, so comes this grief from the margins, from the people that, you know, this is a difficult concept. It's a difficult concept to have a monarchy in a world that costs so much money when everybody else is so struggling. And, and, and part of me sees so much of this tension in the Luke reading today. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right, and 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 it is a very difficult line. I mean, the the Luke reading, uh, which I think you know, I, I was hoping we'd run out of time before we got to, because it is a very difficult. Yeah. No, I wasn't really. I was okay, but you know, <laughs> it, it's an incredibly difficult story. Uh, you know, you've got this 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 man who essentially deceives his boss and is dishonest, and then Jesus is commending him, and you're sitting there going, "Oh my goodness me, what on earth are we supposed to take from this?" And and I think it's interesting because it, it highlights the fact that so often as preachers particularly, we always want to tidy up. We always yeah. want to leave everything neat and tidy. And it seems to me that Jesus is saying here, it's a messy world. Um, and, and it's fascinating because this, this is, I've read quite a lot of commentators on this because I knew we were going to end up talking about it. And I was intrigued by some of the intellectual somersaults that some of the commentators are trying oh, to do. very much so. Because they so want to tidy this up to, to well, he's either good or he's bad. And, and, you know, I, I think actually the best person you can quote on this is that famous German philosopher, Jürgen Klopp, who is the manager of Liverpool. And uh, he was being interviewed after a match where Liverpool had, had you know, won brilliantly well. Uh, but they were playing quite a lower league side. And so, so the, you know, the commentator said, well, yes, Mr Klopp, you know, you may have won 5-0, but you were playing quite a lower league side. And he said, well, you can only play the team that's on the pitch. Mm. And actually, I, I, I've sort of carried that a lot into life that, I think, you know, both if we look at our monarch, there are lots of things in the monarchy that we would say, yes, we do have to ask huge questions about yeah. the empire that she inherited, about the wealth, about how these estates are, are, are used. But I think you could say she was someone who, as a Christian, did her best to play the team in front of her, to yeah, yeah. deal with the circumstances that were there. And, you know, I was reading something the other day, someone being very, very critical of the Duchy of Cornwall and all the wealth that's tied up in that. And yes, I don't think we can deny any of that. But environmentalists would say, yes, but here is also someone who used that to yeah. pioneer farming techniques, to, to, to get a, a message out there about the sustainability of the planet that we needed to hear. And yeah. that doesn't justify the wrong, but it says make the best. Absolutely. And kind of that's what you've got in this story. You've oh, got yeah. this guy who's who's kind of making the best of it. And, and I'm trying to work out, well, is is there a, is there a measure of sarcasm here on the part of Jesus? Um, is it a connection back into, because it's immediately following the story of the prodigal son. So yeah. you've got, you know, you've got this son who squandered his father's wealth, but now you've got this, this, this merchant. 
You can pick up the justice issue about the fact that, you know, basically there's been a rumour um, and then the guy's kicked out um, on the basis yeah. of the rumour. There's no investigation. Um, and boy, how many MPs' um, reputations have been trashed before <laughs> yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. actually done any investigation. So there's a whole load of stuff going on here. Yeah. And, and, the, and And I think... If you're going to try and tidy this up in a 20-minute sermon this Sunday, well, please send me the script because I couldn't do it. But no. I think if we can say, you know, what this says is faith can be lived out in the midst of a messy world. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I pick up from it more, more than anything else. Yeah, I see. I see somebody who is backed into a corner, who mm -hmm. is about to lose the job, about to therefore lose their livelihood because of somebody else not because and and therefore when you're backed into a corner you will behave differently because then it is a matter of survival and I think that Jesus sort of is saying that that we we all you know who backs us into corners and what do we have to do to survive when we are backed into corners. Mm. And I think sometimes I've certainly looked at this passage from probably the overprivileged way of, of saying, look at you, what are you doing down there? Instead of actually going, what must he have felt like about to lose everything? What do you do when your back's against the wall? What do you do when you're oppressed and you've got no means um, to be able to get yourself out of this um, and and I think it, it is again it's that tension between uh, going back to the, the, the monarchy you know having this rich establishment whilst people are constantly backed into corners yeah. by things like energy companies and and huge corporations and yeah I, I agree with you it's just an utter mess of a passage yeah. this week <laughs> But, but it, it and, and it's interesting because I think maybe that's the other thing. You know, someone said, how do you eat an elephant one piece at a time? Is you can take a little bit of this. And, yeah. and maybe it's one of these stories we need to learn. So, I mean, I, I would agree with you. But then I come back and look at from the privileged point of view. And what's interesting is that the the the, the master or the, the, the guy who has authority actually listens to, yeah. to the actions. And he is then changed yeah. by the behaviours. And, and I think, again, that's one thing I think you would have to say of, of the Queen, and I think you may not say it of all political yeah. figures in the world or even Absolutely, in our nation. Absolutely, yeah. But at least, you know, there is a, this moment that says, oh, actually, what you did wasn't maybe as bad as, as the, the outsider might say. And, and you know, that, that I think is something we can all take. I, I think you know, part of the complexity of life is there are some parts of society or, or life or my existence where I feel utterly powerless and there are some parts where I have immense power and influence yeah. um, and I think the question you know very few of us can simply live on one side or other of a divide exactly um, you know I'm a parent I have enormous power over all sorts of things to do with my children well I used to they now have power over me because they've grown up but <laughs> but the you know it, it's a matter of saying in every context Am I listening? Am I doing what is right? Am I doing what is justly? And I think that's, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, I've written a prayer for, for that a lot of people have used over this season. And I began it by saying, you know, we thank God not um, we, we thank God not for the office that she held, but the person she was. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that was kind of trying to say, look, and we're hearing it, you know, we're hearing Republicans, we're even hearing Sinn Féin saying, look, we, we do not have an issue yeah. with recognising this individual as someone yeah. of, 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 of th that deserves to be honoured. But we ain't going to turn up at any of the, <laughs> any of the constitutional <laughs> gigs. And I think there's a respect in that. Absolutely. Um, but, Absolutely. You know, I, and, you know, others will be outraged by that. But but we're all in places where we have power and we're all in places where at times we're utterly powerless. And yeah, um, yeah we we I, I think it's it's tread well. And again, I mean, there are some principles here um, because there is something about being consistent. Um, you know, beacon and, and that uh, Jesus's applications actually, I find quite difficult. In the if he had just left the story and then not put these applications in, uh, particularly about well, use your wealth to make friends so that they'll look yeah, at yeah. you. I mean, you know, what is, but I think what it, it, it as you carry on reading, it's a sense of you know, be consistent. Yeah. And I, it's something that's a real you know, that, that you mentioned the book that I wrote, Love Work, and and that was what I, I was trying to get at in that is, is that actually, if we're going to say. That, that you know God cares, and then we don't live as people who care in every aspect of our lives. People aren't going to believe us. No. Um, you know, you can prove it from the Bible as many times as you like, but if you're not a caring person, or or if you're not a diligent person, or if you're not a reliable person, then yeah. people won't believe God is a reliable, faithful God. Um, so this is something that's very much on my heart, and I think we see that here. I think what we also see is maybe a shift that says, look, there aren't always rules in life, but there are values to live by. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that's very important for us. We all live in different contexts. We live in a multicultural society. And, and as a northerner, I would want to say, you know, let's just not define culture by the color of people's skins. And the culture yeah. in different parts of, of, of these islands is quite unique and defined. Yeah, absolutely. And a regional yeah. minister for North Wales, I, I have to embrace some very interesting issues of racial justice that, that would be very different say in london um but actually there are consistent values that we can yeah. live and then there is you know there is also something about god's authority and again you've got this final statement about god and mammon which of course appears in most of the other gospels in the context of should we pay taxes to caesar and and i think you know i hear people say this is the great mandate that says we shouldn't have politics in the pulpit um, you know, keep God and keep keep econo economic separate. You can't, you don't have a conflict un unless two things are related. Um, you know, you you, yeah. you can happily serve both if they're not related. Yeah. So to me, if Jesus is saying you can't serve God and serve mammon, he's saying these two are totally intertwined yeah. because otherwise you could serve both. So, you know, I think, I think that, that this is an opportunity to say in the midst of this messy world, be consistent. Remember the values that we're called to live by and remember that we're running under God's authority. So if you want three points for that on Sunday, that's my best shot. If, if, if that Perfect. Happens. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sorry uh, I can't make them all begin with the same letter, but I'm not that clear. <laughs> Can you do that for next time? I'll do that for next time. I'll do it time, in a yeah. poem. So. Yeah, I, I, I'll come up with three words that nobody understands, <laughs> but they all begin with the same letter. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Bill, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and reflections. Thanks to everyone who has joined us um, to ask this question about whether and if how we should preach politics in our pulpits this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast and share this with your friends. 
We love to have an ongoing conversation with our listeners about faith and politics. So do join in on Twitter at politics. I did this last week, pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit or on our Facebook community, which you can access through the joint public issues team. And so I guess not not really a question this week, uh, but more a thought about how we do create spaces for lament in our public in our public churches and in our in our private spaces too. And so let us leave with a blessing. May you be anointed with God's spirit as you bring good news to the poor. Proclaim release to the captives. Help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen.